Well, today, as we continue in our study of Luke in Luke 18, I, I want to point out uh, uh, something that is going to tie in to today's sermon. Last week, I spoke on having the faith of a mustard seed, and this just having small faith worked out can accomplish great things. It can uproot that which is deeply buried in our life, that is deeply dug in, just like that mulberry tree. God will do this even with the working of small faith. We've also seen that small faith, the mustard seed faith, can move mountains. And today's sermon is an illustration and a story of that happening. We're going to be focusing on a man named Bartimaeus, who is blind. And what happens when he sees Jesus? And I say that expressly to say he sees Jesus. So we're going to see the story of a blind man who exercised his mustard seed faith and see the mountains in his life that were moved because of it. Well, if you have found Luke chapter 18, verses 35 through 43, even if you're at home, will you please stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? Luke 18, 35 through 42 says this. As he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Hearing a crowd passing by, he inquired what was happening. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they told him. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those that were in front of him told him to keep quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came closer, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. Receive your sight, Jesus told him. Your faith has saved you. Instantly he could see, and he began following him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Let's pray. Almighty Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this day and this opportunity to once again be in your word and to be gathered, whether in homes or the small crowd that is here, Lord. I pray that your word would penetrate and move and, and stir. And Father, it would move mountains and rescue. And Father, it would grant mercy to those who are seeking mercy. Father, move. Lord, I pray that if there be any heart that is a stone, Lord, you would melt it. Father, there would be any person who's crying out for mercy, Lord, that you would give it in great abundance. For, Father, we know that you do, and this is your promise. Lord, I pray that you would move in this time, and, Father, that you would speak and move me out of the way. And, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Father, I pray this in the blessed name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. A little bit of background on where we are in the, as Jesus is moving towards Jerusalem is that he is getting ready to make the final step into Jerusalem. If you remember from Palm Sunday, next chapter that we get to is where he begins to enter into the uh, Jerusalem. 
But as he is going there, he's entering and he's moving through the town of Jericho, which is about 17 miles from Jerusalem. And in in fact, there's actually uh, understood in Scripture two Jerichos. There's the Old Testament Jericho, which is about a mile, mile and a half away from the city that Herod built, the new Jericho. And so Jesus is moving through this on his way to Jerusalem. And as he does, he is followed by a massive crowd that is cheering him. This is the same crowd that will cheer him as he enters into Jerusalem. So this huge crowd is marching with their king through Jericho on their way to Jerusalem. And what's interesting in this, as this crowd has ballooned, some theologians believe that Lazarus, who has been healed, is with Jesus. And and so now the crowds are swelling because they've heard not only what Jesus has done and the miracles that he's performed, but they can see evidence of it as Lazarus walks with Jesus. And so as he's walking and this massive crowd is going with him, certainly there would be a lot of noise. And as they come through Jericho, there is a blind man that hears what's going on. The same story in Mark 10 tells us that this blind man's name was Bartimaeus. And so Bartimaeus hears Jesus coming. And so as we go through the text today, there are four things I want us to see. I want us to see blind persistence. I want us to see blind sight, blind obedience, and then wide-eyed Praise. Those are the four things that I see in the text today. So the first, blind persistence. We see in verse 35 through 39, it says, As he, Jesus, approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting on the road begging what he has done all of his life. And he, hearing the crowd passing by, he inquired what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And so he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, of course, the crowds tried to silence him, but he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So you can imagine what's happening here. As here is this blind man who has been blind for so many years. Here's the crowd coming. His ears are attentive to what's happening, and he hears the crowd, and so he begins to inquire, what is happening? What is going on? What do I hear? And as the crowd is coming through, they tell him, Jesus is here. Jesus of Nazareth is coming through. He is coming this way. And for Bartimaeus, what an amazing day. Think of it. Jesus did not go everywhere in Israel, but he is coming through Jericho. And Bartimaeus must have heard of this man and what he's been doing. And so as he hears Jesus is coming, he begins to swell with excitement. And he begins to yell out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Because he can't see where Jesus is, he begins to just cry, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what's interesting is as he does this, the crowd literally, we see in the Greek, tells him to shut up. They don't want him to cry out anymore. They don't want this man to cause a ruckus when Jesus is coming through the town. Why? Why? 
Well, maybe those that were in Jericho have known Bartimaeus for years and uh, are, are irritated by him because he's always begging. They hear him always asking for mercy, and they, they don't want to hear it anymore. Jesus is coming. So they tell him to shut up. Maybe they're just dismissing his wretched state as just another beggar. He's not as important as Jesus. Be quiet. You're disturbing this beautiful scene by your shouting. He doesn't care. And in fact, the more they tell him to shut up, the louder he yells. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See, he was persistent in his crying out to Jesus. So why persist? Why cry out in this way, especially with the opposition he was facing? And this is one of the central questions for us this morning. Why persist? I mean, the odds are absolutely stacked against Bartimaeus. The crowd is against him. They don't want him to say anything. They want him to be quiet. They don't want him to disturb the peace. They're mad, literally mad, that he is yelling for Jesus. And, of course, Bartimaeus being blind, can't see exactly where Jesus is. He can just hear what's going on. And he's also risking in this with this massive crowd and this jubilation of Jesus coming through that Jesus might not even hear him. So why persist if the odds are stacked against you in such a way? Well, simply stated, this was his one chance to seek and find Jesus. This was his one chance to see the Savior. This was his one chance to be healed. And so he yelled. And see, I believe firmly that Bartimaeus had Isaiah 55.3 in his mind as he yelled. And Isaiah 55.3 says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him when he is near. I'm sure this was just echoing in Bartimaeus' heart. He's here. He's here. He could have been anywhere in Israel. He could have taken any path, but he's here. And so I'm going to yell. I'm going to seek the Lord while he may be found, and I am going to call upon him while he is near. And he yelled, and he yelled, and he yelled. Jesus tells us this even. We've seen it before even in our prayers that we are to seek him. We are to knock, and we are to ask. And if we seek, we find. If we knock, the door is open. And if we ask, it will be given to us. Bartimaeus was seeking and asking as loud as he possibly could. And in fact, as we, if you move through Luke 18, you'll see that one of the parables that's in here is the parable of the persistent widow, who she herself persisted in her uh, uh, seeking justice from a corrupt judge. So Bartimaeus is persistent. He knows Jesus is near, and he does not want to lose this opportunity to cry out to him. So he had blind persistence. It was just there, just running at Jesus vocally, just pouring out before him. And so for us today, a question for you is, are you yelling out for Jesus? 
Are you yelling out for Jesus right now in the midst of whatever's going on in your life? Are you seeking him and finding him while he is near no matter what people say? No matter what society says, no matter what our culture says, no matter who is near you saying, shut up, I don't want to hear it anymore. Your heavenly Father is listening. Be persistent and call out before God. If you need rescue today, do what Bartimaeus is doing and yell out, have mercy on me and don't stop. So we see blind persistence. The next thing I see in this is blind sight. And yes, I know that's an oxymoron. But blind sight. Look again at 37 through 39. Listen to what's happening here. Bartimaeus has just inquired what's going on. In verse 37, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they told him. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those in front of him told him to keep quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So last week as I was talking about the mustard seed and just having a small bit of faith that will accomplish much because God will accomplish it for you, this was Barnabas's mustard seed moment. This was his mustard seed moment. Let's look and see what's going on there because as the crowd is coming through and he inquires, listen to what they say. They say, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. And it's really interesting is how the crowd identifies Jesus. They say, of Nazareth. They have identified him with his hometown. And so they've pointed out there are many Jesuses out there, so they have identified him as coming from Nazareth. This is the Jesus from that place. But this was a very mundane way of identifying Jesus. And when I say mundane, I mean an everyday way. This is where he's from. In fact, if you think about it, many of our names come from where, we, uh, where our ancestors came from. Stoneham, my last name, is actually Welch for Stone Hamlet, which is to identify that somewhere along the way my ancestors came from a place that was uh, a town that had stone houses. So that's what Stoneham means. There you go, something about my family history. But that's just the same way, Jesus of Nazareth. But look at how Bartimaeus addressed him. So they say, Jesus of Nazareth, what does he say? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See, Bartimaeus identified Jesus as son of David. And this is significant. Because to identify Jesus as son of David is to say this Jesus is the one who is the ancestor of the King David, the promised one coming. Bartimaeus has now identified Jesus as the Messiah. And this is the one and only time in Luke where we see a crowd identify Jesus as such, son of of David. And it could even be why the crowd is trying to silence him because the Pharisees would not like this, that someone would address Jesus as the long-waited king that God has promised. And it is also significant because Bartimaeus saw Jesus as he was, the Messiah, the blind man. 
saw Jesus for who he was, where the crowd was blind to who he was. This is a very kingly way of addressing Jesus. And this was his mustard seed faith. He can't physically see Jesus, but he spiritually sees Jesus and knows who he is. He can't walk to him. So his faith, his simple mustard seed faith is Jesus is here. I will cry out. That's it. That's about as small as it gets. Jesus is here, the promised one. I will cry out. The end. And see, Ephesians 1.8 speaks about our heart being enlightened. The eyes of our heart being opened, which we sung just before we, I came up here. Bartimaeus exercised the one bit of faith that he had, and he did not relent from it because his, his heart saw Jesus. The eyes of his heart were opened. In the same way we sang, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Bartimaeus did. And so today we need to pray that we have the same sight that this blind man did. We need to have the same sight that this blind man did so that we see Jesus for who he is and not for who the crowd says he is. So blind sight. Third thing I want you to see in this is blind obedience. Blind obedience. Looking at verses 40 through 42, Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came closer, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. Receive your sight, Jesus told him. Your faith has saved you. So Jesus commanded that he be brought to him. But Mark gives us a little bit more information on this. And in Mark 10, 49 through 50, says this. And Jesus stopped him and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up. And came to Jesus. I think it's so interesting that Mark adds this very small detail. And of course, we believe that every word of God is inspired and there for a reason. Why does it say he threw off his cloak? Why add that in his obedience to come to Jesus? Because for a beggar, the cloak's all you've got. It's the only thing that keeps you warm. It's the only possession you have, and especially for a blind man. It's the only tangible thing you can feel and know is with you in this world. But what did he do with the only possession that he had when Jesus beckoned him to come? Is he threw it off. That doesn't matter anymore. The one calling me matters and so in obedience, he threw off that one important possession in his life, and he went to Jesus because when Jesus beckons you come, you go. Blind obedience. Throw it all off and go to Jesus. So Bartimaeus obeyed and went. 
And then comes one of the most important questions in the New Testament, a beautiful question from Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Because Bartimaeus has been crying out for mercy. And Jesus says, what do you seek? What do you want? What mercy can I give you? What do you want me to do for you? Notice that Bartimaeus had no hesitation. No hesitation. He said, Lord, I want to see. I want to regain my sight. He didn't have to think about this. He knew he didn't want the world to come to him. He didn't want riches. He didn't want glory. He wanted one thing and one thing only. Lord, I want to see. This important question. When Jesus asks it of you, what do you want me to do for you? How will you answer that question? What is the deepest need in your heart? And in what way can Jesus show mercy? So Bartimaeus says, I want to see. And what happens? He says, receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. Now, you break that down, there's two things that happen there. Receive your sight. That's amazing. He's healed. His sight has come back. But he adds to it, your faith has saved you. Because... Jesus healed Bartimaeus, but he healed him more than his sight. He healed his life. And Jesus does this. He gives us mercy beyond our most pressing need. He gives out in super abundant grace. No matter what we need and our soul's longing, Jesus gives us more. And it may be for you today, you're crying out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus says, what can I do for you? And you pour out your heart need, Jesus will give you the greatest thing that you need, which is not only your sight to see him, but but absolute healing for all eternity to be with him. Jesus heals us completely and What we see from this, getting back to the mustard seed, is Bartimaeus' mustard seed faith. Have mercy on me. I want to see. His mustard seed faith moved two mountains. It moved the mountain of his blindness to where he could see. That's amazing in and among itself. But then the next mountain was moved. His sin was forgiven, and the mountain of death is moved away. And he is healed for all eternity. He will see now on earth, but he will see even greater in heaven because he has seen the one. Two mountains were moved with a simple mustard seed faith. His sight and his life were given to him. What an amazing story. And the last is this. The last thing I see is wide-eyed praise. Wide-eyed praise. So look what it says here in verse 43 when this is all done. It says, instantly he could see. Instantly he could see. 
And he began to follow him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Immediately he follows Jesus and give praises to God. I want you to imagine this scene was happening for Bartimaeus as his eyes are open. The first person he ever sees in his life is Jesus Christ. The first as his sight comes back and color floods in, he sees Jesus. Now imagine this. The first journey you will ever take because you can walk without assistance is to follow after the master who has saved you. And so he walks with Jesus in this great crowd to the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And he sees, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. One of the first sights he ever has seen is this great entrance. But then one of the next sights he sees less than a week later. He will see the most tragic thing his eyes will ever behold. He will see the death of the one who gave him sight. He will see the bloody murder of Jesus. And he will see the blood flow down the cross. But then, three days later, Bartimaeus has only had his vision for, what, maybe two weeks? He gets to see the greatest thing in all of human history. He gets to see an empty tomb. He gets to see his Savior risen and ascend into heaven. A man who up until two weeks ago could see nothing, but through his heart saw Jesus for who he was sees all of this. And what does Bartimaeus do? He praises God. And his praise is so infectious that the crowd who just a moment before was telling him to shut up and be quiet now praises God too. Bartimaeus' mustard seed faith not only moved a mountain in his life, but it transformed the crowd that saw him as nothing before, just an irritation. Now they see him, and as he praises, they praise right along with him. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. See, Bartimaeus, he let everyone know just how good God is and how good his son is. And so the question for you today is this. It's very simple. Do you have faith like this blind man? Do you have the faith that when Jesus is near, you cry out unto him? Can you see Jesus the way Bartimaeus saw Jesus. The blind man saw Jesus and regained his sight. And when he saw him, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, Messiah, have mercy on me. And so it may be today that it is you who is in the same circumstance. Your life is oppressed. You are in darkness, but you know Jesus is near. 
Do not hesitate. Don't listen to the crowd. And even if the crowd is Satan himself saying, shut up, shut up, don't cry out. You don't listen. Cry out, cry out, cry out. Oh, Jesus, have mercy on me, and you know what will happen. He will give it in superabundance unto you. Cry out unto Jesus. Believe in him the way Bartimaeus did. Have that mustard seed faith, and Jesus will heal you. And he will heal you from the greatest tragedy of all of human history, and that is the burden of sin that kills us. He will take away that sting and that venom. It will be gone for all eternity for you, but just cry out. And if that's you today, oh, I pray that where you are right now, no matter when you see this, you cry out unto him. And if you want to know more about this Jesus that Bartimaeus saw, I would love to talk to you about him. Leave a comment. Email the church. Call. I want to talk to you about Jesus. And I want to share with you the amazing, mountain-moving ability of our Savior. Just coming, as Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Your mustard seed faith has saved you. Let's pray. Mighty Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this day and this opportunity to be in this place. And Lord, for your word. Lord, I pray right now that if there be anyone who is hearing this, Lord, that they, they see Jesus is near. They see your son who is present and they cry out now. Lord, let them not delay based on what others say. Father, there will come a day when there, there's no more time to cry out. And Father, let it be today for that person. And Father, I know, I know you will rescue and heal and save, Lord, because your word tells us so. Father, I pray this in the sweet and the precious name of Jesus. Amen.